Do you want financial freedom from your everyday nine to five? Do you want to learn how to flip, rent, sell, and market homes in your area? Let the tricksters of the real estate market help you. They always have another trick up their sleeve when it comes to getting a deal. Your host, Tim Melton and Travis Mercer. All right, good afternoon, everybody. Tim and Travis here for another one of our Tim and Travis Talks, the tricksters of real estate. Um, beautiful afternoon um, in Charlotte, North Carolina. Hope all you guys have had a uh, really good week. Uh, our last talk, we left off with several things that we wanted to get back with you about. So we're going we're gonna to talk today about some errors and pitfalls. We're going to talk about how to structure a deal when you've got as many as 18 offers and you're trying to win the offer. We're going to talk about uh, some multifamily opportunities, some trailer parks. i got to always go back to the trailers. And Tim loves the garden trailers. tubs. Love the trailers, specifically with a garden tub. <laughs> Today we're talking about single wide, so I'm not so sure they've got garden tubs, however. So, uh, Let's get going. Travis, um, I know that you've completed a few projects recently and you were telling me that you'd made some mistakes and that uh, those mistakes had led to you paying a very high tuition for your education. So why don't you bring everybody up to speed on the tuition that you just paid yourself? <laughs> so we, we did. Um, this is going to be a lesson to everybody real quick on making sure that you take full, how to perhaps advantage of of what's given to you as far as your due diligence periods um, and making sure that you get good personal organization in place. So we're buying a condo, uh, a, a traditional flip model condo. It was coming off of rent. The owner hadn't been in the property in a significant amount of time. I think six or seven years, I think they said that the tenant has been, had been in there. And the owner just didn't, didn't want to deal with it, wanted to be gone, so we came in with a, with a cash off front and we came to terms at 121. So under of the short due diligence we had, I went down there with our general contractor. Uh, we took a look at the property and during our inspection, we found out that the refrigerator, um, the water line going to the refrigerator had been leaking for a, a significant amount of time. And there was probably, I don't know, it's hard to even tell. I don't even know we could make it down to the bottom layer. There was visible at the time, four to five layers of, uh, of vinyl on the floor. And there was water in between each one of those layers of vinyl. And we walked on the floor and just squished out water. So, of course, the GC pulled the fridge out real quick, grabbed, up, grabbed some pliers and tightened the line down, which was all that really needed to be done to stop the, the refrigerator from leaking. But this had obviously been a long-term uh, slow leak that easily could have gone into the subfloor, likely should have gone into the subfloor. So that's the kind of information you want to take back to the seller and ask for um, you know, different states have different contracts. In this particular case, we would have sent an agreement to amend the contract to a lower purchase price. Uh, you got to start digging in and ripping out subfloor, and if there's if there's mold down there that could be trapped uh, between the floors, if this was an upper uh, an upper level unit, it can you can run into a lot a lot of problems. And without being able to do any further discovery, I would have asked for a three thousand uh, dollar agreement to amend the contract going from one twenty one down to the 118 uh, on this property. And in my opinion, I do not believe that the sellers would have had any qualms with that with the video I could have sent them. And we could have purchased the property in that case at 118 versus the 122. I've got really busy on with everything and my earnest money additionally went hard because I did not send the request 
prior to the end of my due diligence period. Um, and at that point, they, the sellers, you know, they said, well, we don't feel we need to make any concessions. We would have had you done it at a different time because we had a significant EMD in on the property. The margins were still reasonable. And so we went forward uh, with the project anyway. And so when it all came out, we ended up at right around, um, our rehab was a little bit more. Well, fortunately, the sub floor was not completely destroyed under there. And it only ended up costing us probably an extra 500 to $750 in renovation costs, uh, which like I say, this could have cost us significantly more. Um, so in, in essence, I paid $3,000 in tuition to find out that you really, really want to uh, make sure you could get those um, processes in place. Um, typically, I put a, an alert in my phone and in my calendar anytime I've got a DD date expiring as soon as I get an executed contract. And this is just to remind you guys and remind myself that those dates are hard and make sure if you start getting into more than one project, if you've got four or five or six projects going on at a time, um, you've really got to set those, those reminders for yourself. So um, we went on and sold the property, I think for like 160 ish or something like that. And then Brian helped a little bit with that, the sale of that. Um, you remember what we sold that for? For 155. Um, and I think we ended up picking up just a little under $8,000. So I'm sorry, we sold it 160. We ended up picking up, um, just under $8,000, but we should have been picking up, um, you know, just under $11,000 on that property. So a little work on the front end could have rewarded us uh, big on the back end. So if I could, if I sure, make certainly, subject, certainly, I this is Brian here. Uh, good to be back. But I think this whole subject of kind of errors and pitfalls, we were calling it and just, you know, mistakes that have been made is important, especially um, for somebody who's new, who's looking to get into the business to not only understand what they need to watch out for, but understand that you know, nobody's perfect, right? I mean, you guys are the pros in this area um, and you still make mistakes. So, you know, number one, don't beat yourself up too much, learn from it, admit it. And then, like you said, put the process in place to, to make sure it doesn't happen again. But I think, you know, a lot of times people see, you know, what, what is perceived as success, whether that be monetary or time, you know, extra time or passive income or whatever it is, and assume that, you know, the person they're they're admiring, the success that they're admiring, that that person got there, um, you know, in kind of a straight line, and they went from A to B, and everything just worked out for them. Well, that's not the way. That's not the way this works, right? There are some, you know, it's like learning to ride a skateboard, right? You're gonna fall off the skateboard, and you're gonna ding your elbows a little bit a time or two, but you learn for it, you get back, learn from it, excuse me, you get back up, and and you keep going, and that's how success is built. Yeah, it's just like sailing. The fastest point. <laughs> The fastest way between two points is in a straight line. You got to zig and zag to get there, um, for sure. Yeah, and I yeah totally agree with that. So there's errors out there. Let's call it the learning curve. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Curve. But don't don't cost yourselves the money. I already paid the bill. <laughs> the bill's been paid. You don't need to pay it. Um, well, that's good. Um, you know, sometimes I uh, you know you do everything you can, and uh, you know just through nobody's fault, you overlook something, and you know it ends up there's a price to it. Um, there's some other pitfalls that, that uh, we've just recently ran into also with one of our Airbnbs. Um, we have uh, a HOA member that's uh, not real happy that we happen to have a income producing property in a residential rental neighborhood, which is not prohibited by the bylaws. So they're on a campaign now to try to change the bylaws to prohibit us from uh, running our Airbnb and our short-term rental business. So 
Are we going to fight that? You bet you we're going to fight that. Um, but just, you know, always keep in mind, you know, when people don't think the way you think, they're very willing to just stand up and do any job for any person to be paid by the hour. You're going to be compensated by thinking outside the box and by doing things that other people aren't willing to do. And when, when you do take that, when you make that lifestyle change and choice, you're going to always learn, you're going to make errors, and you're going to encounter pitfalls that really some of them there's no way to anticipate they're going to be uh, coming your way until you get into the middle of it. But like Brian said, hey, you, you learned uh, when something happens, learn from it and move forward with it. So, um, you know, it's not all roses and it's not all blue sky scenario, but if you're engaged, you're going to have a great opportunity to be successful. You're going to have a wonderful opportunity to make some money and uh, learn from your uh, mistakes. mistakes. Yeah. So uh, that, that's uh, errors and pitfalls for uh, talk nine here. Um, wanted to I've, talk. Got, I've, I've got one more. You got one more. Okay. Let's hear it. On this. We did, um, and this is kind of a, uh, which it's extremely rare that I, I've actually never come across before is why I want to mention it. Uh, we were doing a townhouse actually in a community in which the former builder um, went under in the last recession. And they had two additional pads poured to have two additional buildings built. And when they kind of went under, the HOA went under with them. So this created a very unique situation that I had not seen before in that it's a townhome community that does not have a homeowners association. So in townhomes, if you don't know, you do actually own the dirt and condos you do not. So they just are going forward and each individual at this time is taking care of their own little uh, slice uh, or own little slot uh, of property. And it's working out. Now, I think that when I talked to the listing agent, several people had run away from that deal because they didn't know how that would look. They didn't know if the banks would finance that. They didn't know if they could sell that. And they weren't willing to do the research. They weren't willing to take the time. And to your point of being willing to solve a problem that other people are not willing to solve. So I went through and I started saying, okay, let's go at least go back and start looking through these other deals that have closed in here recently. Have any of these things closed that were financed? And sure enough, there were a couple in there that were closed via finance. So. I reached out um, to that agent to find out how that bank dealt with the situation, who they used, and then I took that to a couple other lenders that I knew, and I said, okay, if it's an HOA, but it doesn't, or there's no HOA, it's a townhouse, how do you guys look at the paperwork on this? How do you guys process a loan on this? And I found two other lenders that didn't really find any large problems with it. I said, no, if the, if the buyer understands that they're responsible for the exterior of the property, and we can you know, kind of uh, account for that. Um, in our, in our budget for our clients, it's a non-issue. So we went ahead with the project, um, 2134 Augusta, um, ended up being a, a real nice project. We were in and out of there, I think in probably two weeks, we had multiple offers on the sale of it. Um, and I see, let's see, um, it doesn't matter. I, I think our ROI on it was around 11 or 12%. But the main thing that I want to, the main takeaway there is being willing to do the work that, that, that you know, going beyond where a lot of people stop. Um, and that's where opportunities often uh, reveal themselves. That's happened a lot. Um, that's not the first time that you've figured out a way to make a deal work. Uh, it's not the first time I've figured out a way to make a deal work. And speaking of that, um, 
you know, how do you how do you buy a property when you've got 18 investor offers? Uh, you got to get creative. You got to think in a different way. You got to think outside of that box. We just recently went under contract on a property that um, we put it on the market for 105,000 and within 24 hours had 18 offers. The offers range from 85,000 to 137,000. So Hannah and I were talking about, hey, you know, that'd be a great project for us to pick up and do it. Um, and we're all licensed real estate brokers here, so we had to figure out a way to legally um, make that thing work to our advantage. So, um, you know, went left the office, went uh, back to the house, and I started thinking, you know, all these people are structuring their offers the exact same way. They're putting down a due diligence. They're putting down an earnest money deposit. Most of them in this case are all cash buyers because this was a fire, uh, partially destroyed home that was gonna basically have to be completely rebuilt. So I'm sitting there um, having dinner and I thought, wow, what if we made an offer and just offered all cash in a due diligence fee? So the seller now, if they accept that offer, has all their money on day one. And I thought, well, what could happen you know, in that case? Well, if my offer is accepted, my money's out the door. It's all gone at that point. And so we made a decision that we're gonna offer 115,000 for that house, and we're gonna put all 115,000 in due diligence. And there were 18 offers. And we submitted our offer. All the offers were submitted to the seller. Uh, the seller called and asked several questions. They put a spreadsheet together. They eliminated it down to about six offers. And of the six offers, they sent it to corporate. And the decision was made. They were going to accept the offer that we made because we put a $115,000 check in when our offer went in. So it's just a different way to think about it. You know, we talk about being the tricksters of real estate, thinking outside the box, trying to structure things in a different manner to get attention. And you've got to constantly challenge yourself. Just like what Travis was talking about, about learning through errors, you've got to always learn and try to set yourself apart in any way possible to be, to be uh, the leader in a competitive market. Yeah, and I, I think it's important in that when you come across those types of situations as well, make sure that you put yourself in the in the the mind of the the other person in the negotiation where a lot of people remember the adage of, you know, bird in the hand is better than three in the bush or two in the bush, however you want to run the map. So I think that in additionally it appeals to a you know, a childhood learning processes that it's most people carry on. Um, so yeah, so it's like one of the best uh, books on golf that I've ever read was Harvey Pinnock's The Little Red Golf Letter, and he talks about teaching professional putters. Ben Crenshaw was one of his favorite, famous students. Davis Love uh, Jr. was one of his famous students. And he would tell him, you know, when you're having trouble on the green making putts, Think back to when you were a kid and don't worry about plumb bobbing the putt or lining it up. He said, just look at the hole like you would if you were a kid and hit the ball in the hole. It's that simple. So try to figure things out. So, uh, you know, errors, pitfalls, opportunities, how you present. Uh, now, in that, in that case, uh, you, you had thoroughly in, uh, inspected the property before you sent that offer in. I've been through the property. 
took a look at the property. I knew what it would take for me to rebuild it. And what it would take for me to be, rebuild it was substantially less than what it would take for most people in the market to rebuild it. Because I don't know if you guys remember, we've got all of our subs lined up, general contractors and all of that. So we had a really, really good handle on it. So it's um, taking so, it, it, you kind of take advantage of the prep work. Right. So that you've already done, and that's why and you're in it constantly and ready to go and to know what it takes. So being able to go forward confidently, um, being prepared to make that step and, and follow through with it, that, you know, that's, that's also where some of the rewards come from. From some of that back work, you said, why do I spend this time dealing with this, you know, this person or this painter or this guy or learning this number or going over this budget? That's where all that back work that you think isn't making you any money comes through and it shines and says, okay, this is where all that knowledge goes and this is how you can profit from it. Absolutely. The sum of the parts makes the whole and that's really that's really what we're after and what we're talking about here. So um, you're exactly right. So I wanted to run across a couple of other deals. Um, one that we kind of chuckle about is a trailer park we're looking at. And by the way, guys, if you, uh, you, know, if you really want to check out and, and do some informational searches on creation of wealth in the states of North and South Carolina, there have been more millionaires created from trailer park ownership than any other industry. So you might want to really look into that. We're looking at a little deal in the Columbia market uh, that Hannah just pulled up this morning. It's returning a 16 cap, which, you know, the market today is trading between a five to seven cap on a B property. A properties are sometimes down as low as a two cap in today's market. If you can get 16 cap on a trailer park, you know, the, the numbers add up very, very quickly. Another thing we're looking at, uh, Travis and I had discussed this, um, we ran some really tough numbers. There's a 204 unit apartment complex that we expect to be under contract by Thursday night, uh, we're talking to you on a, on a Wednesday right now, but by Thursday night we expect to be under contract on a 204 unit apartment complex. It's a little over 11.2 million, uh, but in looking at it, the average unit needs about $7,000 worth of rehab to bring in granite, bring in stainless, update the trim. And if our numbers hold and they're correct, we believe that we can split those out of being apartments, sell them as condominiums, form a homeowners association, share the common area expenses amongst the homeowners association, and sell those condos off at about $100,000 to $125,000 market value price each. What was your, so what's your considered acquisition per door? Uh, what, what it ends up being, if we do the conversion, is we stand to take a property that's returning a seven cap annually on rent to a potential profit of over six million in profit after you sell it off. Now, you'll have to rehab 204 units at $7,000 a unit. So we've got to raise a lot of money. That's the, that's the main thing. We're getting ready to go on a money raise right now. But if we can raise that money, get a really good attorney to split these off and sell these off to the community, at about a hundred thousand a door, um, we'll we'll end up profiting six million dollars or so on that. Do you know what's the ROI? Right now, it's currently trading. Um, if, the, if if your numbers hold, if the numbers hold, I haven't run that math, but it's okay. six million uh, into. Let's see, we've got uh, two hundred four doors. I'll tell you real quick. 
You know me. I just I, I would yeah. like to know that. Absolutely. I was like to know the numbers on everything. So I just wanted to. So I got two oh four times seven thousand. So that's one hundred and forty-two thousand eight hundred plus eleven million two fifty. So we're now at eleven million three ninety-two, and we've got two hundred four doors at a hundred thousand dollars per door is twenty million four hundred thousand. Okay. So the math adds up pretty pretty quick. Now, a lot of ifs in this, but as we've talked a million times, you know, during our due diligence, we're going to get all these ifs answered and we'll move forward if it all looks good. And if it doesn't, we'll renegotiate to get it to a point that it does make uh, the risk uh, worth the reward that we're, we're after. So uh, we're stepping up the game a little bit. We've been talking about doing a multifamily deal. Uh, Hannah's been looking and uh, we've been looking through... Um, MLS through off-market deals and finally have identified one that somewhat makes some sense for us. Everything is so highly valued in today's market that we've looked at you know a couple of hundred deals and nothing has really uh, been exciting except for this. So hopefully we're going to be able to get this thing under contract and then try to get it figured out in the next six months over our due diligence period. Yeah, I'm excited to see how that works out and I'm excited to be involved with that deal and uh yeah, moving into the multifamily is a, a good solid step. Um, so the I've got one other one I was going to mention on, on this episode as far as potential pitfalls that are out there. Um, I know we've mentioned wholesaling in our last episode and we've kind of been doing that. Um, we went and uh, purchased a, a house on Country Ridge, um, 3705 Country Ridge. It's a house here, it's a neighborhood here in Charlotte known as uh, Mountain Brook. And initially we picked it up for 440 and I was relatively confident we should be able to sell the property for around 480 to 490 on a wholesale basis as the retail ARV comes out to around 675. Now we were prepared to do um, the full rehab on it, but it was not the initial plan. So uh, I guess the, the lesson I want to make sure that everybody knows you know, here is that Sometimes when you're planning for that quick wholesale deal, it doesn't necessarily always happen. So make sure you have that backup plan. So we're gonna be in the rehab in this one, I think around $115,000 or so, but it still gives us a really solid cost basis and our ROI on the property is still gonna be in the 20s, provided we're able to sell it um, on target. So, you know, they're, they're still out there and don't, you know, don't not try to wholesale it and don't shy off of a deal. But I do want to encourage you, make sure that you are prepared to go the distance with anything you, you, you're getting invested with. Um, so not a pitfall per se, but just something that, uh, you know, it's out there. Make sure that, you know, don't get overconfident in yourself and always be prepared for plan B. Always keep your options open. Yep. yep. Always know what you're doing and always do your due diligence, man. You got to put the time in. There's no substitution for putting the work in, doing the reading, talk to people. Um, if, you've, if you're interested in real estate, get around somebody that's doing it. Um, Chad was telling me there's a saying. Chad, what was the saying about be a doer, not a talker? A, not a guru, but a doer. Yeah, not a guru, but a do-ru. So get out there, do your research, and then go do it. Don't talk about it. We're going to wrap this one up today. You guys have a uh, great rest of the 2018 uh, year. Look forward to talking to you in 2019. Um, talk to you guys soon. Have a, good, have a great new year.